everybody. Welcome back to Fabulous. Hi, everyone. I'm Shannon Payne. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. We're coming back. Mm-hmm. Same vibe. More wheels, more tracks. I love it. Let's do it. I'm all about it. We love a train around here. Yeah, we do. we have talked about before. <laughs> we sure do love a train. <laughs> Absolutely. And a coastal city. Mm. What more could you ask for? You, I don't think you actually can ask for more than that. I think that's asking entirely too much. Right. That's... You don't have the budget for anything else. No. I think I told you guys before, I absolutely love San Francisco. Like, San Francisco, I say this about so many places, but, like, if I could choose to be somewhere, like, middle of the summer, go enjoy it, it would be San Francisco. I love the weather in the summer in San Mm -hmm. Francisco. I love it. It's so much fun. I So, I have walked by. I've never actually been on the San Francisco cable car system. Ooh, it's so fun. I want to, but, and I, I'll talk about it later. It's the wait time. It's like, there's so many other things that I want to do. And I'm like, someday I'll make time for that. Someday I'll make time. I'm not sure if I waited very long, but I, I don't know. It depends on the day, I guess. Probably. We'll, we'll kind of talk about it, but it's one of those where it's like, it's always been in the back of my mind and it's so iconically San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Like it is. It's the picture, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's it. So, well, I guess we'll just jump into it. We'll, we'll get into what, like, how this came about and where it's a little road and evolution. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so we're good. First thing I wanted to talk about was kind of the inspiration and where the idea of the San Francisco, San Francisco cable car came from. So the inception of the cable car system finds itself back in the 1800s. Oof. Right? 1873, to be exact. And we owe this mechanical marvel to a man named Andrew Smith Halliday. It's a cool name. I like it. I like it. He was raised by a father that had his own inventive spirit. And it was one that truly resonated with Andrew throughout his entire life, really. That, and I'm willing to bet, a sense of caring for others because the inspiration behind all of this is tinted with a bit of sadness. Oh, Andrew knew things had to change when he watched appalled as a team of horses were being whipped, pushed absolutely past their limits on rain slicked roads while struggling to carry a carriage car up Jackson Street, which is a hill. It's a hill. It's like, just too steep. It's entirely too steep for what they're supposed to be doing right now. It's. Yeah, it's awful. So combine that with the fact that the roads are insanely wet because of the rain. And you sadly had the recipe for tragedy. Andrew witnessed as the horses ultimately slipped and were dragged to their death. No. Right? And after you see that, how can you think, we, we just let the system keep going. We just let this keep happening. We don't figure out a way to fix it. I mean, I, you could probably get over it in a place that doesn't rain that much. I think you, prob- you probably could. Not that many hills. You know, like if it happened once as a great tragedy. Right. But they're probably risking it three or five days. I mean, yeah, it's a coastal city. It's going to rain all the time. Yeah. That would be very scary. Absolutely. And it's not just the one street. No. Like, it's all hills. It's all hills. And I mean, when you think about it, like for me, like animals of course i'm gonna sit here and be like oh my god that's a tragedy but think about like how dangerous that is even for the people riding right it's a whole situation and financially devastating right and whatever they crash into at the bottom of the hill right like, that's completely gone has the potential to impact a great number of people absolutely 
It may feel like one small incident, but really this isn't one. This is one of many. Mm -hmm. Andrew's solution drew strongly from his father's ideas. A wire rope cable, which he had patented in Great Britain. So his father kind of came up with the whole idea across, across the ocean. He made cables? He made cables. That's pretty cool. His dad was kind of in on this idea a while, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really reaching the potential that it would reach. That's kind of, uh, cable is one of the things that you think, somebody invented that? Right. Like it wasn't just always? What? Of course it wasn't. Of course not. But it feels so basic. It, it does. It, it's, we've talked about this before where I'm like, I know I'm not an inventor because no. I can't think of how to make something better mm-hmm. or make something out of thin air. Absolutely not. No, I, I have to take a nap actually. <laughs> It's a lot. It's Mm -hmm. a whole thing. In 1852, at the height of the gold rush, Andrew immigrates to the United States at the young age of 17, wire rope cable ideas in tow and ready to expand on them. He truly made a name for himself first as an accomplished suspension bridge designer. I don't know why that's hard to say. Another big time San Francisco deal. Absolutely. Like if you're if it's not the cable car system, it's suspense. Suspension. Why is that hard to say? It's a tricky one. Suspension. Suspension bridge. Especially with me and the fact that I have a lisp. (laughs) It's a great time. Um, So he he starts there and then he branches into the world of mining and starts creating designs for mine flumes. Um, designs that would spread all along the Pacific coast and even all the way up into British Columbia. He sounds like a man who just knows how things work. He does but seem he, that way. He can look at a thing and make it make sense. Yeah. He knows exactly what to do. What a beautiful skill. Right? We need we need more of that. Mm-hmm. It was the mines that really took the concept of the wire rope cable and really, really ran with it. In 1857, five years after arriving in the U.S., Andrew began in earnest manufacturing wire rope. Do you extrude wire? Is that how it's made? I think so. I should have looked for that term. Metal through a hole. Um, so it kind of depends because like a lot of so I'll talk about how this specific cable is made because it's like it's definitely not that. I'm not sure if other stuff is that way, but this one's definitely not. There's a lot more that goes into it with Mm -hmm. this one. Um, so he implements the product into a car system that could be used in the mines to carry freight in and out with, and it uses this continuous line that we'll become really familiar with. Makes total sense. Absolutely. Soon nicknamed the Halliday Ropeway, the transportation system was, of course, a massive success. Absolutely. It it was obvious that this was a great idea. Because it's not broken like that Donkey Kong one. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. What a tragedy. Absolutely. Andrew watched the success of this system and knew it would translate really well in a public transit setting. I love it. Absolutely. A set route. Love it. Schedule, like regular stops. Easy. Same thing you'd do with a bunch of rocks. Absolutely. We're we're all just a bunch of rocks. (laughs) At the end of the day, that's kind of what it feels like. Please deliver lead to money. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) So we're going to jump back again to 1873, where Andrew has witnessed the horse-drawn carriage tragedy, and he realizes that the system he helped implement in the mines and all across the North American West Coast could slide easily into into the realm that would fix this issue. Yeah. But when he first presents the idea, it falls flat. People aren't buying into it. They don't see it. Um, they literally have never seen it. Right. They literally have never seen it. Yeah. And he, they, I mean, they're starting to see it because it's in the mines, but it just like, 
nobody's like, nobody's thinking that this is going to translate right. well. Nobody's thinking like, yeah, I want to write in that. And like I've learned from TikTok, not everybody has the same capacity or inclination to imagine things in their heads. Right. So when you hear about a thing that you've never seen in a city before. Yeah. You think, no, can't because I can't. <laughs> There's no I way. Can't imagine Mm-mm. what that looks like. How can I even start to think about it? Exactly. Very interesting. Doesn't work out. Yeah. Poor inventors. I know. <laughs> They're all alone. <laughs> There's probably so many things that could have come about earlier that we were just like, nah. 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 That doesn't sound like a thing, actually. Absolutely not. <laughs> and they're like, that's the point. Right? <laughs> it's we're new. They were just ahead of their time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. The public brings on the ridicule in a big way. And for most people, that would be where the inventive spirit trips and falls flat on its face. Sure. For me, that would be a done deal. But Andrew is not easily deterred. He works hard and finds financial backing to start up a cable car line on one street in San Francisco just to see if the idea would work the way he knew that it could. Mm-hmm. And if it does, I mean, it's steep. People are going to head to that street to go up. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be <laughs> my be stoked. beeline that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andrew forms a partnership that led to the birth of the Clay Street Hill Railroad Company. That's long. (laughs) It really is. Um, And it's coincidentally named after the street that the very first cable car system in San Francisco would be tested. All right. Makes perfect sense. The contract that they made with the city stated that the first run would have to occur on August 1st. But as with most projects, things don't always go completely as planned. Mm -hmm. Construction begins in May of 1873. The very first trial run happened at 4 a.m. on August 2nd, 1873. So close. So close. That's fast. That's really fast. It's just wild to me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, it's just one day late. But for something this big, that feels like a win to me, to be honest. Like, one day? Absolutely not. In spite of the delay, everyone saw what a monumental success this was. And approval was given for continued development. By September 1st, 1873, the Clay Street Hill Railroad Company <laughs> officially offered transit services to the public of San Francisco. Wow. Right? That's a huge, like, that's a fast turnaround. That's a month later that they're like, okay, we're good to go. Public can ride. Wow. Wild. <laughs> wild turnaround to me. Continued public acclaim meant that expansion around the city was inevitable, which we're going to talk about in a second. But what I really want to talk about right now We're going to cut into the story and talk about the components of the system and how it works and how it runs and how it functions. And there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to condense it down. I didn't want this whole episode to be, well, then this part does this and this part does this and these all work together to do this. And then these I didn't want it to be sure that necessarily for the whole time. So I'm going to talk about a few major key components Um, But just understand, this isn't the whole system. There's definitely more in the background, even from this, that drives this and keeps it going. Okay. All right. So the first major thing to think of is the powerhouse. The thing that makes it go. The mitochondria. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's, yeah, that's accurate, actually. The powerhouse of the cell. The powerhouse of the cell. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. It just took me back. (laughs) Okay, so one of the major concepts in this entire setup is that each individual car does not power itself. Rather, there is a main powerhouse that supplies power to move the cables that the cars hold on to. 
We'll talk a bit more about this later, but as the cable car system grew, more companies started popping up. And with each company constructing its own structures to go along with everything. So just understand that there's like a bit of a mess mm-hmm. because there's different different people trying to claim stake on different things, if that sure, makes sense. Sure. Originally, power from this structure was provided in the form of steam-powered engines, but as time passes and technology matures, electric motors took the place of fame. These motors power huge winding wheels that pull cables through a trench that lies beneath the street, dead center between the tracks that the cable cars ride on. I've seen that at the museum. Yeah. They're massive, like, spools of cable rolling around. It's crazy. It's very, very cool. absolutely wild. Blows my mind. Completely blows my mind. 100% worth it, that museum. I want to go so bad. Someday. They also have, in Chinatown, a uh, fortune cookie factory that you can do a tour in. Really? Does that sound wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. Can you get, like, custom messages? I bet you could. I love a good tour. Mm. I've seen so many episodes of how it's made. Yeah. I'd love a good tour. Absolutely. (laughs) Bring them all on. Explain your stuff to me. Yes, please. That's best, though. Hearing people talk about a thing that they're excited about is so fun. Yeah. I'm interested if you are. I'm super you know? on board. Absolutely. Yeah. So great. I just like seeing people get passionate about something. Yeah. yeah. And a cookie at the end? Shut up. Absolutely. I'm there. I'm on board. Even if it's a fine cookie. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lo- a loose, defi- loosely defined cookie. Truly. Truly. Hard crepe. Th- that's what it is. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I mean, I'm not super upset about it, but I also like if I want a cookie, that's not what you're going for. No, mm, definitely not. OK, we talked about the powerhouse. Let's talk about the to me, like the main component of this whole thing besides the cars. And that's the cable. Yeah, because it's like the whole name. It's a big fella when it's made. So now we're going to talk about how this cable is built. When it's made, each cable is one and a quarter inches in diameter. Okay. It just, in my mind, both like pretty thick and pretty thin for like what it's doing. Like, and it's a bunch of wires woven like a rope. Yeah. So at the very center is a sisal rope. I think that's how you say it S I S A L rope core that made it easier for the strands of the rope to grip and maintain their structure. So oh. the sisal is a type of agave plant that's found in Mexico primarily. Wow. So interesting. I had no idea that that. That, so that like was a, part of it. A fiber? Yeah. Did they make... Wow. Yeah, I right? Thought it, I didn't know there was something in there. I didn't either. I had no idea. This like was a, a marshmallow center. <laughs> I'm hungry. Sorry. <laughs> I, Doesn't happen to me very often. I guess I'm excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll take it. The rope has a total of six steel strands that are made up of 19 wires each. Okay. Yes. Each rope is then covered in lubricant to ensure that it passes through the series of wheels, tracks, pulleys, all of the things, with the earliest cables being coated in pine tar. Now it's a synthetic lubricant, so it's not quite as exciting. Pine tar slippy? I guess. I would have thought it was sticky. Um, apparently it's <laughs> slippy. I thought that, so uh, we do stuff with brine, and mm-hmm. I thought it would be like dry, salty. It's actually like oily slippy gooey mm, yeah some stuff is just not what you think it's gonna be the way the name sounds tar completely different than what it's actually supposed to do yeah yeah very I agree. interesting right i thought so too 
Each cable has its own set of winding wheels that it rides on. Most of these remain stationary over time, but the rearmost wheel is adjustable, and that's for a reason. Wear and tear of the rope over time means that the rope actually starts to stretch out. Mm. So that rear wheel gets moved to compensate as the rope stretches. Oh, because it's getting, the loop is longer? Yep. Okay. So they they structurally prepared for that situation. To keep the rope tight. Exactly. Because a loose rope's going to be a whole shit show of a situation. That sounds bad. Mm, yeah. yeah. Don't want that. <clears throat> sounds like I'm walking up a big ass hill. Right. No, thank you. Absolutely not. That's a hard pass. Can you imagine, like, planning to ride something up those hills and then realizing, like, I've got to walk that now? What did I do at the bottom? Did I shop? Did I drink? Exactly. I'm never going to make it. Mm, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Oh, goodness. Okay. Let's talk about the tracks. So this is one of the more, like, besides the car, the more visible structure of the whole situation. Right. Um... The cable cars ride on the tracks, and these tracks are made of steel, in many ways similar to the railroad tracks that we're used to. Like, you can see some similarities, but there's a lot of major differences as well. The tracks themselves sit directly on top of a channel that houses the cable pulling the cars, which ensures that just the whole cable situation stays in place. Right, right. Which is... You don't think about it until you think about it, and you don't want that just going wherever the hell it wants to go. No. No. You don't. You don't. So that's, that's important. Along the top of this channel, a slot opening cuts through the middle, which allows the car's grip, which I'm going to talk about next. That's mm -hmm. the next big structure. It allows that grip to actually latch onto the cable to help it be pulled along the tracks, that car. All right. So there's more to the cable car track system itself than just the tracks in the cable channel. So an entire set of infrastructure is constructed underneath. So a series of yokes are set up along the tracks to provide a greater level of overall structural support. Initially, these yokes were made from paving stones. Oh. And they were just kind of put in between the track and the cable channel. But as time advances and technology once again keeps improving, these yokes start being made out of steel. And then that steel is encased in concrete. Okay. A lot more structurally sound. It's going to last for a little bit longer there. Mm-hmm. All right. The grip. The thing that helped, like, binds the car to the cable. Makes total sense. Mm hmm Because it's, it's difficult to think. The vehicle isn't moving itself. No. It can't go anywhere alone. No. And that's amazing. Right? <laughs> like, the cable moves everything. Right. That's crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So every cable car comes equipped with, with its own mechanical grip that clings to the cable that's moving beneath. To, to kind of imagine it, like, think of a set of pliers and how it grips that way. Like, mm -hmm. for me, like, watching it that way, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's yeah. exactly what it's doing. We'll get into it more in just a minute, but essentially this grip functions in a similar fashion to the clutch in a car with a grip operator opening and closing the grip to facilitate the starting and stopping of the cable car. And uh, <laughs> this grip is not a joke at all. Its jaws exert a force of up to three, not three, 30,000 pounds per square inch on the cable. Oh my gosh, what a strong cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy moly. It's a whole thing. It makes sense. I mean, it's got to hold on while it pulls a whole trolley car. Up a gigantic hill. And all me and my stuff. Yeah. But that's intense. Right? That's a big pinch. It is a big pinch. <laughs> Don't want to be caught between that one. Thank you very much. This takes a toll on the grip in a 
actually really short amount of time. I'm actually pretty shocked by this. So after only three days of use, a grip dies. So components of the grip itself need to be replaced or you're going to risk an accident. The pinchy parts? The pinchy parts. Oh, wow. Three days. Three days. Do they like refurbish them? I'm interested in that. I have to look into that because <laughs> that one I did not look up. And I like, now that you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, what happens to those? Yeah. That's a lot of, it's a lot of turnaround, a lot of waste. Okay. We're to the last component, but there's a lot of different versions of this component and a lot of things that work together. Um, so we're going to talk about the pulley system in, in the whole thing. So there are several different pulleys. I'm going to talk about one, two, three, four, four of them. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the carrier pulleys. These pulleys are placed every 15 feet along the track to help support the cable as it moves along the channel. Because it can't just be loosey-goosey. Absolutely not. Because even the channel is not secure enough. Just like long, long gutter of channel. That doesn't make sense. Absolutely not. Pulleys are necessary. Makes that 100% necessary. The next thing to think about is the crown pulley. So this pulley is pretty much like the carrier pulley, but it's a lot bigger. Nice. Yes. <laughs> its main function is to help protect the cable as it crests the top of a hill. Oh, very intense moment there. Absolutely. There isn't any noticeable impediment to the movement of the cable or the grip on the car. Both are lifted and land back on the carrier pulleys as it passes over it. So pretty smooth transition mm-hmm. all around. The depression bar pulley. This type of pulley was built to help protect the cable and grip as they get to the bottom of the hill. Uh-huh. Another tricky situation mm-hmm. to navigate. The cable's natural inclination is to rise up out of the cable channel at this point. Right. Which you don't want. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a bad thing. The depression bar pulley sits on top of the cable at the bottom of the hill to hold it in place. This is great for the cable, but it presents a bit of a problem when it comes to the grip on the cable car. Right. Mm-hmm. Really? Because it's on the top side where the grip is. Yes. Huh. What do they do? So here's what they do. So while the cable flows through this pulley system pretty much in the same way that it goes before, this is where the depression bar comes into play. This essentially shifts everything out of the way. So the grip can pass through and then moves it back over. Whoa. Yeah. That's cool. It's weird how they think of these things. I, I would never come up with it. Lots of depression bar pulley. Stationary depression pulley. Lots of depression in this. This pulley requires a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so this, you really need to be paying attention if you are the grip. They used to be called grip men, but we'll talk about why that, that changes here. And in the future. And I think they just call them grips too, right? Yeah, they just call them the person mm -hmm. and the tool. Exactly. So the person kind of taking control of the actual cable car. Um, So these pulleys are placed in areas where different lines of cable intersect. Oh. Yes. Their locations are typically identified by yellow lettering on the road next to the tracks or steel plates in certain, like, in certain places also identify it. Okay. Once a gripman sees this, they recognize that it's time to, quote, let go of the cable. Oh. Yes. Failure to do this can lead to severe damage to the cables, the grip, or both. Sure. 
So I'm going to read a quote from what is called cablecarmuseum.org. <laughs> just I feel like it does a really good job of summarizing this. So to keep this from happening, these points have a bumper bar and bell feature to ensure safety and prevent damage to the system. If the grip is not dropped and the let go notice, oh, at the let go notice, then the cable will raise the bumper bar, dropping counterweights and turning the pulley against the cable, which rings an alarm bell to alert the errant gripman to drop the cable. Oh. If for some reason the cable is still not dropped, then the bumper bar forces the cable out of the grip, which can cause damage both to the grip and the cable, but preventing serious damage. Hmm. The powerhouse is then notified of the incident and inspects for damage to the cable. Excellent. Absolutely. And I lied to you. There's one more component that I'm going to talk about because I was really concerned about how do you like turn this thing around. Okay. Yeah. So turntables. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been on it while it's turntables. Oh, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the model of, of your car, you might find yourself in need of something to get you turned around. Some cars had mirroring grips and accompanying levers on both ends of their car, so they didn't need to worry about it. He'd just walk to the other end of the car and grab that one. Exactly. Okay. Um, other cars only had one grip, so some maneuvering was required. <laughs> in these types of cars... Uh, the cableman lets go from the cable and coasts on to a turntable positioned at the end of the tracks. Then the gripman, I meant to say gripman, I said cableman. The gripman, and in the past, even some people waiting in line, would actually manually, like, push the car <laughs> around. And people would actually want to do this. And the reason for it was they got the best pick of the seats. Oh, you could be the first on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're like, I'm being helpful. I'm being great. Really, it just works out in your favor. <laughs> it's all a good time. So they're all pushing around the, the merry-go-round to get it started. And then they jump on. And then they jump on. <laughs> I'm so on board for this. I would have loved to have been able to do that. But I don't, I think I would have been laughed at if I tried to do it. They would have said, please, small person. Don't let do us this. push the car. It's a, it's a. When I was there, it was green. It's a big green turntable. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I want to ride on it so much. It's it I just looks cool. I, I can't remember if they made everybody get off before they I bet they, they do, it. but, like, I just want to be on there. There are a lot of safety rules and everything. That's for, true. For and for, for good reason. I totally get it. But, but I just... Boring. Mm -hmm, I watch it. I'm like, I know it's not, like, the most exciting thing to happen, but for me, it feels like the most exciting thing to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's not fair. Okay, so we're jumping back into the story, and we're going to talk about how the cable car system roadmap starts to shift and expand and change. So we're jumping back in time again to where we left Andrew in 1873. The cable car system has started with his Clay Street Hill Railroad Company, and the cable car scene is set to take off. Yeah. Absolutely. By 1877, competition enters in the form of the of the Sutter Street Railway, and their claim to fame was introducing a side grip that allowed for easier passing at cable intersections. So remember how we had those um, depression bar pulleys that would mm -hmm. actually like move things out of the way and pull them back. The Sutter Street Railway decided that they didn't really want to do that, and a main reason why they didn't want to do that is because they had to pay royalties to Andrew in the sum of $50,000 annually for the use of the patent. Oh. It becomes a whole expense of situation. <laughs> I get Told it. Told you he knows how things work. He absolutely <laughs> knew how things worked. He had it under control. Mm -hmm. um, but they didn't want to do that, so they actually came up with a system that 
where the uh, grip is actually on the side. Okay. So you didn't have to worry about it. Just go straight through. Coming straight down from the top. It kind of. It kind of went around. Okay. Yeah. Ingenuity in the face of not wanting to spend money. I get it. Right. Absolutely. By 1882, three more cable car companies had entered into the fray, each one introducing its own line offerings and expanding where in the city you could travel by cable car. 1883 brought us the beginnings of the Market Street Cable Railway, a company that would eventually become the largest cable car operator in San Francisco. Ooh. Right? In 1889, the Omnibus Railroad and Cable Company became the last operator to be established in San Francisco. That's a few. That's a lot. Two years later, the last full cable lines were built. So by the end of 1890, 23 cable car lines had been established by the eight original operating companies. Wow. Feels like a lot to happen in like... Yeah. Not very many years. 1873 to 1890, and it's all just there. Yeah, that's that's fast. It's really fast. So it's building up. It's going. Everybody's loving it until they don't. So we'll talk (laughs) about the beginnings of the decline of the cable car system as a form of mass transit. Advances in technology over the years put a real damper on the utilization of the cable car. Electric streetcars start making waves around 1892. Mm -hmm. The automobile industry gripped the nation, beginning to convince people that the next logical step for all of us was to buy our very own cars, which is a whole situation. And I actually do want to talk about this at some point because it has an impact on public transit as a whole in this nation. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big reason why in areas like where we live right now, Public transit isn't a thing because it's just expected that you're going to have your own car. That's just the mentality. And like in a lot of places are the infrastructure that supported public transit is gone. It's been ripped out. Yeah. Sometimes to replace more places to put cars. Mm -hmm. Like it's and and it takes away your choice. Right. Like I don't have an ability to choose whether or not to own a car. Right. And that's. That's so expensive. It is. Like how many people are unemployed because they can't drive to work. Yeah. That is like that's so prohibitive. Significant. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really want to talk about that. I was I was gonna dig into it and I was like, yeah, this is a that's a whole episode. So I'm not gonna do I, yeah. it today. But. I think it leads us right into how companies with a ton of money uh in our country are able to speak like people. Yes. And so they can change things for a whole lot of us right. with their money because we can't afford to combat that. Yeah. And then suddenly a car company decides we can't have buses because they'd like us to buy more cars. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I don't know the way out of that. I don't either. It feels like a trap. It is a trap. At least as, it feels like it to me. And as Taylor recently said, if it feels like a trap, you're already in one. That's true. So here we are, capitalism. Thank you for that one. I'm not doing a good job at it, actually. No, I'm doing pretty terrible. <laughs> it's fine. It's not fine, but it's fine. <sighs> Anyways, after all of this, the cable car system was starting to look labor and cost prohibitive in comparison to all of the other options that were starting to come out. It, it makes sense. I get it. It's just kind of a bummer. I don't like change. I don't. Some I like change, and I don't like change. It's a really tough situation. I know that there's there's a lot to be said for control of your life. And yes. I think car owners will always lean towards that, like as the biggest benefit. Mm-hmm. 
But I just, there's something about, I'm one of those people who likes to be driven places. Yes. And like all the things I can get done. Right. While Seth Taylor drives me somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's even easier on trains where you don't, you, like, you can't get his car sick and stuff like that. Right. I'm sure it's some people do, but. I For it's, sure. It's just time that yeah. you can have back. Instead exactly. of commuting and having to pay attention. Exactly. I just want it. I, I want that time. I want it so much. Like, I would love, obviously, like, um, off-roading situations that Brian and I do, like, in Canyonlands and everything like that. I would love to have a vehicle that allows us to do that. Sure. But everything else. I would love to just not have to think about it. We had friends that lived in a big city, or they still do, and for a while they didn't own a car, and they would do car share when oh. they had to go get groceries and stuff. Yeah. So you, I, I'm assuming it's like an app situation. You get the car for your amount mm-hmm. of time, and then you take it back to the place, and it, your turn's over. So when I went to go visit Brian in Hawaii, literally, like, weeks before everything shut down for COVID, um... That's what we did. So he was out there already and he, um, I don't think he needed a car or he didn't have a car. It was, uh, they were sharing it because there were multiple of them going out there for work. And I decided I was just going to Uber in to see him and then Uber back to the, to yeah. the um, airport. airport, that word. Um, so that's what we did across the street from where we were at. They had that. It was a ride share and you just, you got your app out. You said, I just want it for this long. You take it, pull it out. Fill it up with gas, park it back. Actually, no, you didn't even have to fill it up with gas. Well, you did, but they had like a card in there for you to fill it up with gas anyways. Like you weren't paying for gas. It was a, it was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. I thought that was great. And I would love to see that implemented more. Very cool. Very yeah. handy. I like it. You need to move stuff. Right. Go out a new mattress. Mm. That's a real dilemma for a lot of people. It is. Like you don't, a lot of people don't need a truck. A lot of people don't need this big vehicle, I'm but all of a sudden. borrow it. Yeah. It's handy. It is handy. I like it. Let's get in on this. Okay. So after all of this start, this stuff starts coming out, we reach 1906 and an earthquake hits San Francisco with a magnitude of 7.9. Oh, so bad. So bad. Catastrophic damage could be found throughout the city and the cable car system was not immune in the slightest. The shaking and the fires that followed it ruined the powerhouses and car barns of two of the remaining cable car companies, with a total of 117 cable cars being burned in the process. Oh, my gosh. So much destruction. The past was so flammable. The past was so flammable. Oh, my gosh. You wouldn't think the result of an earthquake was an an insane fire that burns a whole city down. Right. But of course it was. Of course. It was a wooden city being heated and lit up by fire. Exactly. (laughs) It's... Dangerous. Yeah. Absolutely dangerous. The years move on and more cable car companies either decide to call it quits or just plain go bankrupt. It's not looking great. Many of the existing lines merged into the framework of the few companies that managed to hang on. By 1979, these companies, as well as the city, hit a big problem because the city at this point has kind of stepped in and started to run things as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a few companies left and then the city's jumping in. But... They find out the infrastructure is old and it is wildly unsafe at this point. Oopsie daisies. Yep. In 1982, an extensive overhaul that cost $60 million at the time oh my gosh. went underway. Oh my 60, gosh. And that's like, I don't even, I should have done the math to convert that to now money. It's a lot It's a lot. But even like $60 million now just feels like a whole situation. And it's, it kind of surprises me that a city would pay for it. Right. 
like even a thing that we value historically, sometimes we're just not willing to throw that kind of cash. No, definitely I'm glad not. they did. I'm glad they did. Me too. Like it's, I'm happy. A total of 69 blocks worth of track. Nice. And (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I have to do it. And cable channel were completely replaced. A new powerhouse and car barn were built. 37 cable cars were either replaced or or just repaired as best they could be. Hmm. A new propulsion system needed to be built. So with all of this in mind, all of these different components, the entire project took a total of two years to complete, and the cars were up and running again on June 21st, 1984. Wow. Fast turnaround to me, to be honest. I expected that time frame to be a lot longer. Especially because now you're closing down different kinds of traffic to do repairs. That's a big deal. Right? So I'm, I'm pretty shocked. That was fast. Major disruptions to service have happened two more times over the year. Once in 2017, when another rebuild of the infrastructure needed to occur. And then again in 2020 to address the safety of passengers and operators during the worst year of many of our lives. The year that lasted four years and I still don't know what time it is. Yep. I am still convinced it's March of 2019. It's very confusing. I don't know anymore. What if... We're all trapped in our minds and none of this actually happened. Brian and I have actually had this conversation where we're like, um, maybe we all died and went to hell and this is actually hell. The operator of the simulation has gotten up to go do something else Mm -hmm. and we're in this weird pause. Yes. Ew. Mm -hmm. Oh, while Uh, I'm on the subject of the things that are scary, Mm -hmm. just a quick PSA for anybody else who doesn't watch a a trailer before they watch a new show with their friend or partner, uh, The Last of Us is a little scary. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It just made me think that, and I thought, I'll tell everyone That's That's good knowledge. It was a little scary, and I didn't know it was going to (laughs) be. That's fair. Luckily, The Mandalorian was there, and I trust him. Mm, Yes, he, he will get us through anything. And if not him, hopefully Oscar Isaacson. <laughs> yeah. He's very pretty man. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> They're the ones who will get us through. <laughs> Them and Robert Pattinson. <laughs> <laughs> With different amounts of SPF. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we're seeing this decline start to happen. And... I think people are realizing, like, we don't want this to necessarily go away. Right. But we don't really know how to handle the situation. Like, I'm not going to use it, but I want it to be there. Yeah. Because it's part of who we are. Exactly. But also not in the way of anything that I want or do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. So, it doesn't really matter that there are more efficient means of transportation or that the cost to keep the system running is more than it's worth on paper. It also doesn't even really matter that when it comes to U.S. transportation system, cable cars have the most accidents per year. Oops. Oops. We are nostalgic as hell and hard-pressed to let a thing go. That's absolutely true. And I think it's free to go in that museum. They should change that. They should change that. (laughs) Absolutely. Especially after we talk about what's happening (laughs) after the fact. These are... Things are wild, friends. Oh, man. So just to give you a brief glimpse on some situations that have happened with accidents. Between the years of 2003 and 2013, there were 
of reported 126 accidents resulting in 151 injuries and $8 million paid in settlements. Oh, wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Oof. I guess I'm the most out of any public transit system. Because of that trolley car math problem? Maybe. Stop it with that. Seriously. Knock it off. It's fucking us over in entirely too many ways. (laughs) Cut it out. (laughs) Absolutely. I don't like it. In 1964, the entirety of the cable car system became established as an official national landmark. So this includes the cars, the tracks, the powerhouse, everything. Now you have to pay for it. Absolutely. (laughs) Which makes sense because you can't really do much with the cars without the infrastructure to like move them along the path. That's true. It's the whole point. Absolutely. Where's the excitement after that? They can do literally no things without the cable. Makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Up until 2014, the, um, the San Francisco cable car system reigned as the only moving national land park, landmark, not land park, in the country. Wow! Yeah. It was joined in 2014 by the St. Charles Streetcar Line in New Orleans. Ooh! Which just feels cool. I like both of those being, mm-hmm. like... In the same realm as each other. That's cute. I'm going to have to add that to my list of things to do in New Orleans. Absolutely. I think it's really cool. San Francisco remains one of the only places you're going to find a streetcar and one of the only places you're going to find a streetcar bell ringing contest. Ooh! Yes! It's held at Union Square and it's free for all to attend, which leads us into... <laughs> Random facts. I love random facts. I love love random facts so much I can't help myself. It's like almost every single time. Okay, so we're jumping back a little bit into this episode. Remember that slot at the top of the cable channel that we talked about earlier that like allows the actual grip to reach through and get to the cable? Mm -hmm. So it's not only a crucial part of the overall system, but it was also the inspiration for a nickname that would stick with one district in the greater San Francisco area. So I'm going to quote cablecarmuseum.org again. <laughs> this distinctive feature, feature of cable railway gave its name to a large district south of Market Street, the large business thoroughfare running on a diagonal southwest from the ferry building on the Ember... I cannot say this. I mean, I've heard it five different Embarcadero. times. Thank you. To Twin Peaks. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was going to say that like five different times and it wasn't going to work. <laughs> oh, you're my hero. <clears throat> Early cable car lines competed for space down the center of the street, and everything to the south of this was referred to by locals as South of the Slot. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> a nickname that lives on with longtime San Franciscans. I don't know if I've heard that. I have never heard that in my life. <laughs> Interesting. I'm learning new things. In case you were wondering what the cable cars are made out of. Typically, they were made of oak canvas, Alaskan spruce, brass, and steel. And with all of this put together, the whole vehicle weighs more than 15,000 pounds. Ooh, that's a heavy car. No wonder the grip is so strong. And it makes perfect sense. The brass poles that you hold on to make you feel so old-timey. I love, I love that. (laughs) It's very cool. I have to write it. (laughs) Brian, we need to go back to San Francisco. Last trip wasn't long enough. I hope the lady that sells the empanadas in the ferry building is still there. 
Mm, I love a good empanada. Best empanadas I've ever had in my whole life. I love empanadas. So good. Fuck, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I don't think it comes as much of a surprise, but these cars aren't typically used by commuters anymore. Mm -mm. Definitely not. They are definitely a tourist attraction. And on a typical day, this is why I was concerned, you're looking at about two hours of waiting in line. Maybe, but I don't. I don't and maybe that's it. changed yeah. since, because I think I with the article that I was reading was like 2020 or 2021. Maybe over the last couple of years. Honestly, everything got really busy for a minute after we were allowed to leave the house. Right. So that makes sense. I think that actually does make sense. And we would have been there at the end of the summertime, which isn't really when people go to California. Right. It's not like the height of... Yeah, it's not the season. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely... I mean, it's still a nice time, but yeah, I don't Mm -hmm. think it's peak season. So I was curious about how much it costs to build the very first cable car. It feels like a lot to me. And it's like (laughs) the amount of money that it costs then feels like a lot to me now. Oh, wow. Um, So, but back in 1873, the grand total came out to $85,150. Ooh. About 1.6 million today. That's a lot. That's a lot of I feel money. Like that's a lot. Yeah. Right? Is that my wrong? Like, am I like? I think you can buy a Model T Ford for like five thousand dollars. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. So much money. Okay, so there's a chance that someday when you go to ride on one of the remaining sixty cable cars, that you won't be able to pay your fare in cash. Ooh. It turns out. It's hard to have any kind of accountability that way. In 2017, some cable car operators were caught stealing some of the money that they collected. (laughs) And others just didn't bother to collect the fare at all. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I I was supposed to pay to get in the museum. (laughs) I think at one point in time I was reading the statistics and it was saying that like more than 50% of the people on the cable cars weren't. Hadn't paid. They just hadn't got paid on. a cent. They just got There's on. not a door. Right. So you could just get on if nobody makes you get back on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's easy. Um, so it's obviously not a great way to run a business, especially when you're running at a 46 million operating deficit, which they definitely were in 2019. Oopsie daisy. It's not. It's not profitable. <laughs> <laughs> but the like our San Francisco Christmas ornament is a little trolley car. That's really so cute. it's contributing to other people's profits. Absolutely. <laughs> it's I think overall it's adding a little bit to the economy. It's just a little rough for them. How themselves. much would you pay for charm? About $46 million. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Give or take. Give or take that. It's fine. It's totally fine. And one last fact, and this one makes me really happy. The San Francisco cable car system saw its first cable car grip woman. Pretty late in life. <laughs> Approximately 120 years after the first cable car ran. Ooh. Her name is Fanny Mae Barnes. And no, she, it's not. It is. Fanny. Fanny Mae Barnes. And she took the helm on January 20th, 1998. 98! 98! A woman named Fanny lived in 1998. I love it so much. Wow. The whole thing makes me really happy. Good for you, Fanny. Absolutely. That's rad. I love it so much. <laughs> and that's like... That's the San Francisco cable car system in a nutshell. There's so much more to it, but I just didn't want to sit here and make two episodes out of something. Right. <laughs> so, um, I maybe we revisit it more later. Some of the different uh, like topics within the topic. Um, 
you guys should definitely go like look into it. There were a lot of really interesting videos available to watch. Yeah. There's the museum, which you can go to, which is really cool. And just go see it. Yeah. And then don't be like me and go ride it when you see it. Yeah, get on it. Get on it. It's really cool. Get on it when you're down um, by the by the ocean, by the bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, ride it to the top. It would be silly to walk to the top and ride it down. That's just absolute madness. You can. It's not illegal. No, but, but why? it seems like a bad plan, right? <laughs> Absolutely terrible. It makes you feel cool. I haven't tried it, but I'm assuming maybe don't sing the trolley song. Yes, there um, is a trolley song. Unless um, you know everybody on the cable car. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be nice to do to strangers. Absolutely not. No. Other than that, follow your damn heart. Absolutely. (laughs) Not the best (laughs) advice in life. (laughs) Yay public transit. Absolutely. I wish we had more. I hope we, I hope we see more in the future. Like I said, I'm kind of, I really want to dig into how the automobile industry has really kind of tanked that for us. Because it definitely has. It plays into, um. Our insecurities and our idea that we're all free cowboys. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's an ideal trick for Americans. Absolutely, it to is. To really stumble into. I love how a mass transit system can become so integral that it's almost like history you can't destroy. Yeah. Because you're using it still. Right. It forces us to preserve our history. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. I love that aspect and of it. And there's like these... I don't know, time capsule accidents Mm -hmm. where there's just layers of time still visible as you drive past a thing. Right. That's amazing to me. It's so cool. It doesn't matter what the people with all the money said. We had to keep it. We had to do it. And so now it's still there for us to enjoy. I love that so much. Perfect. Yay. Well, thanks for sticking with us for two weeks of this. Like, I loved it. I had fun. Yeah. I hope you guys did. Now you all want... Like cable car maps as art in your homes. Yes, I do. Congratulations. You're welcome. You'll have to start doing that, that uh, French press coffee. Oh, I love French press Because you're a fancy person now. Mm, truly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, friends, let's do this again sometime. Say hi to your mom for me. Bye.